0: Hi friends, this is episode 33 of the Bible Lab Podcast.
1: You are listening to the Bible Lab Podcast, recorded before a very lively audience on the campus of Loma Linda University. Here's your host, Roy Ice.
0: Hey everybody, thanks so much for coming back and a great big thank you to Pastor Dan for leading out this past week. Incredible job as always, but I'm excited to be back with the group this week as we discuss probably one of the most pressing questions that most people talk to me about is how do you deal with anxiety? You know, we're people of faith and we're supposed to know how to deal with stress. Of course, God's going to take care of everything, but what do you do with the real world stress that comes just so often and so intense at times, I guarantee you're going to have some biblical answers today that it's going to completely change your game plan and give you even some more tools to deal with some uh, of these anxieties that you're going through even now. I invite you to visit our website, thebiblelab.com, and make sure that you are either looking at the screen at the study guide, or you print out your own copy of the study guide, because you're really going to want it today, especially as we go through some very special terms. So without further ado, say a little prayer for God to speak directly to you today about his character. Welcome to the Bible Lab. All right, take out your yes and no cards. I'm gonna read five statements. If you agree with the statement, hold up a yes card. If you disagree, hold up a no card. You guys ready? Woo, here we go, okay. Number one, some people might describe me as a worry wart. Some people might describe me as a worry wart. Oh, let's look at this. There is probably 65% of you here who is probably stressed out just getting to church today the rest of you just rolled in, didn't you? No problems. Why worry? Number two, people worry more about what they cannot see than what they can. People worry more about what they cannot see than what they can. Predominantly, yes. I'm seeing about 98% yes, a couple of no's, and a couple of maybes. But the majority of you are saying, yes, we fear more what we can't see than what we do see. All right, we'll unpack that a little bit today. Number three, God would rather us be relaxed than successful. God would rather us be relaxed than successful. Oh, we're split. We are really split. We got about the same number of yes and no's, and then we have almost the same number of maybe. So it's almost a three-way split here today. We'll talk about that today as well. And number four. We should wait for God to provide our food, drink, and clothing and not try to prepare for our daily needs. Look at you, success-driven people. (laughs) Okay, 99% of you are going to feed those two cards that raised a yes card. Yes. What's for lunch, guys? (laughs) They'll meet you at the back. Okay, number five. God wants us to have just enough to get by so that we'll stay focused on him. God wants us to have just enough to get by so that we'll stay focused on him. Why are there so many abstentions on this one? Okay, predominantly no, a bunch of maybes, and okay, so it looked like about 80% no, and about 10% yes and 10% maybes. It's going to be tough for us to go through this section of Christ's sermon, especially as he's talking about think not what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, or what you shall wear. It's tough, because has God called us to be successful, or has he called us to be relaxed? Has he called us to be free from worry, or free from work? You see the problem. And so today, we're going to step into the next part of a sermon. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 32, and let's read it together And why do you worry about clothes? (laughs) Careful about that one, folks. (laughs) See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Hmm. What can we find about God's character through this section? What do you think he's saying? What have you been told that Jesus is trying to express here? Is he calling his followers to be unemployed, laid back, unprepared? Lazy or something altogether different? What do you think this section of Scripture is talking about? Or what have you been told that Jesus is saying in this section? Go ahead, raise your comment or your question cards, and we'll get a microphone right to you. I think he just wants us to focus on him. Okay, just focus on him. So the question is, can you focus on him and also focus on your finances? And focus on what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. This verse probably speaks to the women, the mothers in the house more than anyone else. Because they're like, are you kidding? My whole motherhood was worrying about what we're going to eat, <laughs> what we're going to drink. And for God's sake, put on some clothes, what you're going to wear. <laughs> so the question is a balance, of focus. I'm so glad you brought that up. Over here
1: i think what jesus is saying is keep calm god watches over us in spite of ourselves in spite of our proclivities our desires and wants and and we don't have tomorrow mm-hmm. all we have is right now yeah. and if i look around this room right now everything is fine
0: mm-hmm. I don't give, have, give, give it a moment yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> well that's true but that's life it's full of excitement yeah that's what That's one of the reasons it's a great adventure. Yeah, yeah. Some of us are gonna die quietly in our bed surrounded by family members Mm. and friends, and some of us are gonna die very violent deaths. Mm. That's part of life. And to say that that isn't gonna happen to me is nonsense.
0: Yeah, yeah. But we stress out about that, don't we? We stress that we're not gonna be the one quiet, living out a good life, old age. We're gonna be the one in the violence and Oh, please, have it a closed casket. (laughs) Yeah? Um, Yeah. That's our challenge. Keep calm, carry on. We've had those posters, those T-shirts recently, and there's all kinds of iterations of it. Keep calm, keep calm. But how do you keep calm when the rest of your life is chaos?
1: Yeah, it's a story, you know, how how do you remember you're just here to drain the swamp when you're up your ears in alligators? (laughs) Only it's not ears. but.
0: <laughs> I thought you were going a different direction when you said drain the swamp, but that's all right. <laughs> but, Talk about don't worry and anxiety, and then you said drain the swamp. Okay. Uh, excellent. Thank you.
2: So
3: I, I don't necessarily think of myself as a worrier, but maybe a really good planner. Yeah. And... Um, when i start to really get planning i i can become anxious but i heard something a couple of months ago about how when i start to worry instead of worrying about things because i know god is going to take care of me right so to put it into his hands and to really just let it go and be in his hands because he is going to provide and i thought and then the next thing they said is but when you take it back down mm-hmm. you're taking it away from God and you're ah. trying to
2: fix it all yourself again and I had never thought of it that way before.
0: Absolutely. That's that's deep. I love that.
2: I'm not I'm not a psychologist but I think like every year people are taking more like medicine for anxiety, you know, people have to be like I'm not saying it's wrong. Take like Yeah, so keep taking your meds that. people, please. Like Go ahead. <laughs> But I just, like, we feel like every time, like, people get more, like, worried and have more, like, yeah. healthy issues from all, like, that anxiety, I sometimes need to go through, like, you know, therapy because I'm so inside about, I move here, for example, from Brazil, and mm-hmm. I always think, how, like, am I going to go to school? How am I going to improve my English? That's... God, like, he wants us, like, achieve your dreams and yeah. goals, but also uh, how he said, like, calm down. Like, I'm your God. I take care, of, like, of you. Like, what you, you cannot do, yeah. I can do, for, like, for that yeah. kind of stuff. I think, yeah. like, God wants us, like, focus on him at first, wake mm-hmm. up and be able, like, to spend the time, like, with him, yeah. pray and read the Bible, and yeah. also, of course, like, go to school and do all... Yeah, Like, that kind of stuff.
0: I, I love that, because you're bringing it to the real world. Um, and most of us, as we're going throughout the huge stresses in our lives, we've got a couple of choices. Um, first choice is, of course, to just grin and bear it and grit your teeth through it and let's just get through it. Hopefully it'll go away. But then for those of us it's not going away, then you have two choices. You're either going to go get counseling therapy or... You're going to take some medication to help regulate that emotion. And that's where we are as a people today. Jesus didn't have that in his day. They weren't medicating or over-medicating or under-medicating. Their medication didn't exist for that. And so today, as we look at it, I'm, I'm so glad you added that extra layer because many of us are trying to figure out, what do we do with this anxiety? It's just tearing me apart.
4: But I think there has to be a balance, definitely. Some people are so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly good. They, <laughs> they don't plan for retirement or anything. They just yeah. think God's going to take care of it. And then yeah. they become a burden to their families. And yes. um, so there has to be a balance.
0: Absolutely. My uh, lead professor in my undergrad theology, uh, Bill Kilgore, I asked him the question How do you, as a pastor, preach? Jesus is coming soon and yet not end up being one of those people who have no retirement. He says, I'll tell you how I live, Roy. Um, I invest for the future, but I always have a bag packed. <laughs> a bag packed. He's ready to go. His suitcase is sitting there ready to go. So if Jesus should come, great. I don't need my retirement, but I'm always investing in the future should I need it, should he tarry. And so I love it. Toker. Uh,
1: it's remind me of a verse that uh, Last week, Pastor Randy gave the, on the la, yes. toward the end of the, ver, uh, the sermon, which is Philippians 4, verse 10 to 13. And the verse 13 said, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. But people mm-hmm. thought of something else. But yeah. if you read the verse before that, everywhere and in all things I've learned both to be full and be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So mm-hmm. through Christ, we can mm-hmm. take care of this anxiety.
0: Yeah. Thank you for quoting that. Philippians 4.13 is one of the most misquoted uh, verses of scripture, especially by students who have come into my office for years and said, you know, I'm really worried about this exam. I I think I'm going to fail. If I fail, I'm out of my program. But you know what? I'm claiming this promise. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So I'm going to do good because I'm praying for this test. I'm like, I don't mean to cause a problem here, but that's not what the text says. Because the word do actually is better translated And in context, you can see it. But the word do should have been translated endure. Because that's how it's used elsewhere. I can endure all things through Christ, who gives me the strength to endure it. So it's not that you'll do magical things, you know, and Lord, help me to be able to regurgitate those things I should have studied and do well in the test. That's not how it works. Okay. Yes, uh, right here.
2: Not to minimize any problems in this room or what what we face on a daily basis, Um, in light of what's happening in the world, there are Christians facing their last hours in violence, and we need to be ready every minute, Mm -hmm. regardless of what our problems might be.
0: I love that you said that, because you're giving us a global perspective now. Many people ask me, Pastor, when's the time of the trouble going to happen? And I say, where? Because it's happening all over the place. People are being killed for their faith. They're being killed because they're Christians. Why is it that we read a book that was written in the Middle East and we think it's for North America and not for the Middle East? People are being absolutely wiped out by the hundreds in the Middle East because they're followers of Christ and we're still waiting for a time of trouble. When are we supposed to run to the hills? And ignore the fact that the Bible has a contradiction that most people ask about. Why does it say in, in the day of the, of the Lord's coming, some will be crying, peace, peace, and it'll come like a thief in the night. And others, you're praying that your flight not be on the Sabbath because it's a huge time of trouble. Christ uses both of these imageries and... We read them at different times and apply different contexts when it's all about the same time. It's just a global context where some people in the world will be saying, peace and everything is good, eat, drink, and be married, as in the days of Noah. And then another part of the world, they'll be saying, if God doesn't cut his time short, none of us are going to survive. Your scripture says it, and it's not a contradiction. It's a global perspective of the world at the time in which he's going to come. Back here.
5: Thank you. Um, I think we've been talking about anxiety, and I'm, this verse, I'm thinking about. Um, is this Bible? Is this verse against um, banking and um, saving money for the future of our kids? Ah. Sometimes parents, you know, worry about what will I, you know, expand um, expand for my children's education and stuff. So we bank for yeah. their future. Yeah. And sometimes we worry a lot about that, and I think is this verse against Mm. doing that.
0: That's a good question, and that's the question, it's the core question, underlying question that you wrestled with a little bit last week. Is being wealthy bad? If so, Abraham was horrible. Solomon was despicable. Even Daniel, the prophet, incredibly wealthy. We can't listen to them because they're not focused on God. Job himself, a man whom God said, is there anyone like Job in all the world? Job was incredibly wealthy. Was that why he had the plagues put on him? No. So, as we look at it, is investing and having wealth evil? No. In fact, many times, it's a blessing of God. Why? To further his work. God can trust you while your focus is on him to take the blessing of God because he knows you, he trusts you, that you're not going to spend it all on yourself. He knows you will use the abundance that he brings into your life to further your purpose in life that he wrote That you will use your wealth, and whether it's money or in other areas of talents and gifts, you will use your wealth to expand God's kingdom. That's why you're wealthy, because he trusts you. The rest of us who are saying, why am I so poor? Well, maybe we should become more trustworthy, (laughs) because he will not tempt you with anything beyond what you can endure. So I love the fact that you brought up focus earlier, because I think that is the key that we're going to see what Jesus is saying here when he's talking about take no thought. Don't have anxiety about these things, and we're going to unpack that a little bit more later on. Were you next up there? Over here was next. Sharon.
3: Well, I think that we see all this stuff in the middle and we're missing the bookends. Yes. The top. Says, don't worry about this stuff. In verse 32, it says that the pagans run over are the ones that are worried about all this junk. Yes. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So all the people worrying about these things are the pagans. Yes. Whereby those of us if we are truly Christians and believe in God, we lay our burdens before God, and he takes care of them. That's it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the anxiety goes away. That's the heavenly medication. Good. Over here uh, down here? Good. Okay. Yes, it's, it's very easy for us in
3: North America. <clears throat> who have good jobs, and if we don't lose one job, there's other jobs usually available, to not worry too much about our food and our clothing,
0: yeah. because it's
3: gonna be provided. But what are you going to say to the mothers in Africa, in Bangladesh, in mm-hmm. another place in the world, yes. where they watch their children, thousands of them, die of starvation?
0: Yes, and I think that helps us understand, he's obviously not talking about us as followers of God just to sit there with our hands out saying, when's it going to be full? You know, God, you promised. I'm waiting. I love the story about the man who gives his heart to Christ and he says, Lord, help me win the lottery. Praise prays that prayer for a week. Comes back, still hasn't won the lottery. So, he comes back the next week. Lord, I gave up smoking. Help me win the lottery. Goes a week, he doesn't win the lottery. Goes to third week. Lord, help me to stop yelling at my wife. I've given it up. I'm not gonna yell at my wife. I'm gonna be a good father. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. And finally, after a month of this, he's like, Lord, I don't get it. Why, why am I not winning the lottery? I've done all this to prove to you. And God answers and says, Give me a break. Buy a lottery ticket.
4: I'm not sure what songs they sing in Cradle Roll and Kindergarten these days, but when I was back there, um, the song Sing and Smile and Pray, that's the only way. If you sing and smile and pray, you'll drive the clouds away. Hmm. And that always stuck in my head, even through adulthood. But then I remember a time when there were issues that I was... Singing and praying and smiling, but they weren't going away. Yeah, okay So just a disclaimer Mm -hmm. so that you can ignore everything. I say I'm a psychologist. Mm -hmm. Okay, and (laughs) She'll
0: be at the back taking appointments No, I'm just kidding
4: (laughs) and and I recognize that there are some really good sincere Christian people who sing and smile and pray but they can't stop worrying about yeah. things, yeah. and very important things. Yeah. And so I, I just think that it's important that we remember that God does take care of everything, but sometimes he uses other people to help him take yes. care of things.
0: And quite frankly, and I'm, I'm glad um, you're here, because it allows me to also affirm, there are people I speak with frequently who my question, and if we're one-on-one, I can ask this very bluntly, are you taking your meds? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because there are some people, they just can't help it. There is a chemical <laughs> imbalance that is causing the firing of their brain to not operate in a normal fashion, and they are not on the same planet we're on. Yeah. And their reality is not the same reality we have, and no little sing-song is going to help them. Exactly. And even... i got to be careful how I say this, because it can be misinterpreted even though God has the power to come in and change the actual neural network of their brain, there are many times that he chooses to do that when they get to heaven and not on this planet. Within his plan, there are times when he does not have to act in that miraculous way, which requires us to have faith in knowing, look, this is not all there is some of us are going to experience incredible miracles, some of us are going to pray for it, and God trusts you enough to say, you don't need it now. He trusts your faith enough that your faith is strong enough to not need the miracle. And so he says, I'm not going to bring that miracle to you because you're okay. You're already in my banquet. Uh, you're You're on the guest list, and I'm not taking you off. And so from that standpoint... When you look at those who have anxiety, and I'm glad you brought up this song because there is a lot of promotion nowadays about mindfulness and about positive uh, self-talk, which does have a very real and scientifically proven effect on people's mental state. I'm not saying it doesn't work and I'm not downplaying it. I think actually Christians need to be a lot more mindful because I I think we're so caught up with the cares and the concerns of the world that God's trying to get our attention all day and people are passing us that we need to interact with and be that conduit of God's spirit into their life, but we're so caught up in all the stresses of all the things in our life that we absolutely miss an opportunity because we're not mindful. We don't have the mind of Christ at that moment to actually hear what he's shouting to us We can't even hear the still small voice, the calloused voice in in our ears because we're so busy concentrating on all the anxieties and what we got to do today. And if I don't do this and that's going to happen, and we're missing opportunities because the Spirit of God needs us to be mindful of his mission. So from that standpoint, I'm not talking about Eastern mysticism. I'm talking about Christian mindfulness of having the mind of Christ If you have the mind of Christ, and everything is going horribly. I can't imagine on Jesus' most grueling day, hanging on a cross, I can't imagine him singing, smiles and, and joy and everything and all your fears go away or whatever, or sadness goes away. I can't imagine him doing a little sing song and then everything's okay. So there are moments in our life that are so agonizing that a little sing song won't work. But what will work is coming up. So, hang on to that thought. Yes, Uh, let's go blue microphone. Yes.
5: Okay. I believe that God is teaching us to live for today and yet plan for tomorrow. Yes. I believe that God wants us to uh, live a peaceful, uh, happy, and organized life. Mm -hmm. So, um, now here in James 4 13 to 15, it says, So what I believe is that as I plan for tomorrow, I would keep this thought in my mind that it's the Lord's will what will happen for my future and for my family.
0: I love that. That's brilliant. And that's where we're going. Everyone hang on to what she just said in James 4, uh, uh, 12 to 14? 13 to 15 is, is what she just read. Keep that in your mind. It's about God's will. What does God's will have to do with your anxiety? You're about to see it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to explode in your mind. So prepare
6: yourself, okay? Red Mike. Just wanted to say, um, <clears throat> it's really comforting and a relief to live in God's plan and not my plan. Yeah. Um, when I was working with kids in an orchestra, I had a little string group, and they were so freaked out before the concert. They were mm-hmm. so worried about it. Yeah. I calmed them down by saying, you're not playing for you. You're playing for God. Yeah. You are God's instrument. Therefore, if you mess up, sorry, you know, it's kind of, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. It's not a problem. And just worry about blessing others. Yes.
0: I love what you just ended with. Hang on to that as well. What is your focus when you're going through a stressful time? Okay. Two more comments and then, and then we're going to move on. Over here.
6: Philippians 4.12 says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation. So I love what you opened with today. Uh, to endure and not this mystical promise, because there is a current psychological study that shows that babies that are anxious turn out being anxious adults. And it has nothing other than the biochemistry of Mm -hmm. the individual. Mm -hmm. And now I understand why I didn't get a passing grade in the class in college when I read (laughs) C.S. Lewis and Lord of the Rings instead of the material, thinking (laughs) I could claim the promise.
0: (laughs) Well, Thad, you get an A-plus in this class, if that's any <laughs> consolation. Um, but you're absolutely correct. Um, those of you who, uh, most of you in here are doctors. You know that 95 to 99% of everything that we're doing is actually uh, basically playing out the recording of our subconscious mind. Um, and especially when you're in stressful, anxious situations, your subconscious mind kicks in and your conscious mind is just so hyper-focused on what you're trying to say, you don't even know what you look like. Have you ever seen yourself in a video and you're like, I look like that? Because you're so anxious, your subconscious mind, which is written... Even when you're in, in the womb, it begins writing, your subconscious mind begins writing. And so if in your subconscious mind, your mother is anxious and your father is anxious, it is recorded in the subconscious and that person has to go through life saying, how can I live a life freeing myself of that anxiety? You're absolutely correct. Right here, and then, and then we're gonna move on. Yes.
5: I just wanted to say we talk a lot about the material things that we need and that God will take care of, but he also takes care of our emotions when my husband walked out on me for 12 days in a row, every single day, someone asked me out to lunch or did something with me, Mm -hmm. and about the sixth day, I said, did you guys organize yourselves? Because every day it was a different person and it was a different thing. And they all said, no, this was just the day I was free. And I thought, I am so loved by God that he sends these people into my life, so it's gonna be okay.
0: Absolutely. What a, what a great testimony. Now, I want you to take a look at some of the wordplay that Jesus used, and then we're going to come back to some questions. So those of you that one of them mic, uh, you, you can hang on to them, because I'm going to come back to you. But I want to make sure we dig into some of the words, because some of the things here, you're going to want to take notes and say, that's what he was saying? Um, it's interesting when you look at the word worry. Some of your translations say take no thought, or don't be anxious, or don't worry, do not worry. Um, the word that's used there, actually, the root um, verb of that of that term actually comes from the word to divide something to tear something in half now read this again and say do not allow yourself to be torn in half over these things can can you see what Jesus is saying these things divide your mind When you see where he goes in verse 33 and 34, it's going to make total sense. He says, you're divided. Let me tell you how to fuse your focus together. Second thing I want you to look at is um, he uses this whole thing, greater than or less than, trying to show what's more important, your body? Is your life more than food and the body more than clothes? Of course not. It's greater than, less than, you have to balance, okay, if I'm gonna go without one of these two things, what's greater, what's lesser? And he presents it like a greater than, less than formula. Then he talks about birds of the air, and these are not tame birds. These are not domesticated birds. It's a whole different word. The word he uses here is for wild birds. The wild birds that just kinda of scatter in the field as, as you're out there. These are not chickens, these aren't doves or pigeons. In no way are these domesticated birds. So when Jesus says, look, I'm not talking about your livestock. I'm talking about wild animals out there. If I'm taking care of them, don't you know I'm taking care of you because I'm domesticating you? I'm doting on you. They're out there fending for themselves. And if I'm taking care of them who are fending for themselves, you don't have to fend for yourself. Then he says... uh, (laughs) Will we'll, being torn apart add a single, and here in our translation, in the NIV, we read add a single hour to your life. But this is actually a very heavily debated phrase in Bible translation because the phrase, and it's a big split, the phrase can either mean an hour, like the NIV and several other translations say, but the verbiage actually is, is a measure of distance, can add a cubit to your height so it's an idiom that can go either way in many translations you'll read you'll say wait what does this say add to your height or another say add an hour to your life translators and commentators are not too concerned about this because both of them would be a huge miracle okay adding time to your life when you were supposed to die and now you have another hour or taking uh, tall people like me and helping us grow taller can he even add an inch? <coughs> Maybe comb your hair a little higher. I don't know. <laughs> then he talks about the flowers of the field. And this is where commentators go wild. Most of my notes, very long notes on this. Because once again, many translations will say lily of the field. That's actually not a really accurate term. Lily has its own phrase. Uh, so you picture this beautiful lily that's picked and put into a vase. That's not the verbiage here. The verbiage is weeds. Weeds. If God will put flowers on weeds that is not in any way precious, these things spring up. They weren't planted. They're not cultivated. They're not going to be in anyone's vase unless you have a little five-year-old who brings them in. You're not going to have these. And if God will take these weeds that the people there, when Jesus said this, that would be gathered and thrown into the fire, people knew in in an area of the world where there wasn't a lot of wood for fire, what you would do, especially in your bread oven, as you're trying to cook your bread, you'd have to raise that heat really, really high, really fast, is you would grab a bunch of these weeds and you'd throw them into the fire and you'd get that burst of flame. Jesus says, if I'm going to take weeds and put flowers on them, don't you know I'm going to clothe you even better? And by stating the fact that those weeds are here today and gone tomorrow. I mean, especially here. We get a little rain. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's green. Two days later, ooh, it's so brown. the same in the Middle East. Then he uses this term labor and spin. And many commentators say this is a very inclusive phrase because in the Jewish world of Jesus' day, there was only one gender that would labor. Who do you guess would be that gender? The males. And there was really only one gender that would take and spin thread on a spindle. What gender is that? Women. women. In this phrase, Jesus is including both men and women. Men, I know you're worried. I know you're worried about bringing the income and, and, and taking care of your family, making sure they got the food, they got the shelter, they got all this stuff. And I know, women, you're worried because you're trying to take care of your kids' clothes and make sure that they're not threadbare, but that they're you know, truly uh, wearing something that's keeping them warm, keeping them comfortable, and ultimately protecting their, their little bodies. Men and women, you're laboring, you're spinning, you're so worried about taking care of all these needs. Don't you know how much I love you? And then he gets to verse 33. The crux. And not only the crux, but Dr. Jesus' prescription for anxiety. He writes it out here. Here's my prescription for your illness, your dis-ease in life. Do this. Verse 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things, all these things we just talked about, one of the biggest challenges of this verse is it's one of the most quoted verses in scripture, but no one takes into account the context. Because all we focus on is, well, just, just focus on God's kingdom and all the things you want will be given to you. That's what it sounds like when you take it out of context. But Jesus says, no, this isn't a prescription for your success. This is a prescription to get rid of your anxiety. If you're anxious, if you're worried, you're all concerned about how you're going to take care of the daily cares of life, do this one thing and everything will change. Remember I told you to remember a couple of the comments over here? Your life purpose, your calling. Remember why you're doing this? It's to bless other people. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things that you're anxious about will, give, will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's true. Jesus says, If you're all concerned about these daily cares, these things that just keep stressing you, it's all about a change of focus. Where's your focus? Because the more you focus on what you don't have, the more you will bring that into your life. The more you focus on what you don't have, you will bring more of that into your life. But the more you focus on what you are called to do, the more all of that becomes taken care of. God says, I made you for a purpose. I made you for a plan. I made you to grow my kingdom. And if you seek first the kingdom of heaven, all these things that are stressing you out will be taken care of. You were made for a divine calling. Our challenge is that we are torn in two and spending the, all of our time focusing on what we don't have, our life of scarcity. God says you have a life of abundance. Focus on your life of abundance and your scarcity will take care of itself because I made you to fulfill my purpose. And don't you know, if you are out there constantly focused on what God made you to do and doing all the things he needs you to do, don't you think he's going to make sure you're not distracted? If you are out there sharing his love To the people in your sphere of influence, don't you know he's going to do everything in his power to make sure you keep on doing that? God himself will take all the distractions out of the way if you don't let yourself be torn apart and focus on the wrong thing. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all those things will be taken care of.
6: Looking at the context of, you know, the the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he didn't say this first. He said first, you know, give to the poor. You know, yes. do, do all these other things. Yes. I, I think, um, I mean, we're sitting here in Loma Linda. Most of us are affluent. We're educated. Yes. I, I say think-
0: there's more degrees in here than a thermometer. Oh, yeah. I said. <laughs> yeah.
6: Absolutely. Maybe it's our job to clothe and feed those who can't. I mean, it, it's easy for us to say, don't worry about it. But we don't have to worry about what clothes we wear. We're all wearing really nice clothes. Mm -hmm. We don't have to worry about what food we wear. I mean, what food we eat. Most of us struggle not to eat. Mm
3: -hmm.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should piggyback off of last week's lesson and help those who are worrying about this stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that then they no longer will be divided. And when you share with them why you're doing what you're doing, you share with them, I want you to not be distracted from your calling, because the reason why I'm helping you is God has called you. You have a divine purpose to reach a group of people that God foresaw, and he needs you to not be distracted by that, but he needs you to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then the cycle continues, because when they're taken care of, now they're taking care of others. Exactly. Who was next? I have no idea.
1: I uh, relate to something that Mother Teresa said, which was, I know that God will not give me more than I can handle, more than I can endure, but why does he constantly test me? (laughs) 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 She also said something which I admire. She worked with these very poor people in Calcutta, in India, And she was asked, how can you go on with all these millions of people suffering? She says, if you try to save them all, you'll fail. Mm -hmm. But you can save one. You can nurture that person. You can feed that person. You can clothe that person. Yes. And when I see one person in distress, I see Christ in distress. Mm.
6: Absolutely.
0: I read something recently and kind of... You're, what you were commenting on focus is the utter um, futility of focusing on what the world thinks we should do. They were interviewing Fortune 500 executives and like 90% of them were unhappy and felt they weren't successful because they were, they were not in the top 100 instead of the mm-hmm. top 500. Mm-hmm. And uh, they felt like failures. And so I think with the wrong focus that there's no, you're never gonna arrive at that point. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So if you're seeking first to be first, you're never gonna be happy. You are always gonna be anxious. I love the, uh, I love the, I'll, okay, Ed, I'll let you have the last comment, and then I'm gonna close. Go ahead. There is a
3: psychophysiological explanation for what we're talking about. A, a man, a woman can be anxious, can suffer from chronic anxiety, mm-hmm. but when they, I, become engaged in conversation, sharing, with the Lord, that engagement, the brain manufactures a chemical, mm-hmm. GABA, mm-hmm. amino butyric
0: acid, you guys which notes? calms, which yes. takes away, yes. which dissolves yes. the anxiety. Yes, and, and take it the next step, because the studies have also shown that even just someone observing the interaction of kindness between the two people releases that same chemical in the observer up to three levels. You can completely change that big term that you said, biophysiology or whatever it was. We don't use big words in here. Um, You can completely change someone's chemical uh, release in their brain for the better and make them happier. By them just observing you making someone else happier. God made us that way. He made us in a beautiful way. I love the story of the little girl who was flying uh, in in an airplane. And uh, it was a horrible storm. And as they're flying through this horrible storm, of course, the plane is just bucking in the air like a rodeo. And this man is looking across the aisle. And he sees this young girl sitting there feet propped up in the chair, a book in her lap, and she's reading a book. The plane, of course, is shaking, and every now and then she has to readjust the book, but she looks absolutely comfortable, nonplussed. She's doing great. Everyone else is grabbing onto the arms of the the airplane as if they can lift it up and keep it in the air, and this little girl is just sitting there as calm as can be. Finally, the plane lands, and the man across the aisle, he compliments the little girl and says, wow. I can't believe it. I was a nervous wreck, but you just sat there as calm as everything reading your book. Why is it that you're so calm and the rest of us are going so crazy? And the girl replied, well, my daddy's the pilot of the plane. (laughs) And I knew he'd get me home. Guys, take no thought about what you'll eat or drink or what you wear. Your father in heaven already knows. And he's flying you home regardless of the storm that you find yourself in today. If you're like me, you cannot wait for that flight home. But until then, I hope and I pray that at least one thing during this last conversation really helps you deal with your stress, your anxiety, all the things that distract us and tear us apart from what God really made us to do right now
6: at this time.
0: Now, I invite you to come back for episode 34. You don't want to miss it because it talks about how do we live in a world where we're supposed to, you know, decide between right and wrong, good and bad, and yet not become judgmental. How do we deal with life and not judge? As the scripture says, don't judge or you'll be judged also. What's that fine line and what are some of the things that we've missed in Christ's verbiage there as he talked about not judging. I hope you'll come back and join us for episode 34. God bless you guys.
1: Thank you for listening to the Bible Lab podcast. If you're planning a trip to Southern California, make sure to reserve your VIP seats in the Bible Lab by emailing us at info at Programs are recorded each Saturday at 10 30 a.m. We hope to see you soon. Until then, we wish you God's richest blessings as you continue to research and develop the character of God.